Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the best of Living Wealthy Radio with Teresa Kuhn. Be sure to catch our show live every Sunday on 1370 AM Austin. For information, archives, and upcoming presentations, visit our website at www.livingwealthyradio.com. Welcome to Living Wealthy Radio with your host, Teresa Kuhn. Good afternoon. You're listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard every Sunday at noon here on Talk Radio, 1370 AM. Streaming live at Talk1370.com. I'm Teresa Kuhn, helping you live wealthier. Resources are available for you at LivingWealthyRadio.com. Someone you know sometimes struggle with depression? Do you ever find yourself worried about the smallest things or always defaulting to negativity and gloomy expectations? If so, you are not alone. Millions of Americans like you struggle with this problem every day, and the number really is on the rise. When news recently broke of the suicide of actor and comedian Robin Williams, many asked how someone who spent so much time making us laugh could be chronically depressed. The danger of this illness is that it often lurks behind the smiling faces of people we know and love and never suspect of suffering from despair. Well, what can we do to help? What can you do to help yourself and or prevent depression in our own lives and the lives of our friends and family? Well, our guest today, Dr. Richard O'Connor, is a psychotherapist, author, expert on preventing and treating depression. Doctor, you've got a book out, Undoing Depression, and you're going to help us better understand the causes of depression and how we can best deal with it for ourselves or or others today. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. I, I certainly hope to help help you understand. I think I, you know, it's bringing up Robin Williams right at the start. I think is a very, very uh, good uh, uh, idea because um, I don't, I don't know anything more than anybody else does about his personal life or or or, or what was affecting him, but. You know, not everybody who gets a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease immediately kills themselves. Yet people, I, people I know, sort of took that as, oh, so that was it. Um, I don't think that was it. I, th- I think that he had been um, uh, a depressed man for much of his life, and I think you could—that's part of what made him so impactful on us. He was not just a funny man, but he was a moving man. He, he was a suffering man, and I think we could all see that. Um, and there are millions, millions of people like him who have uh, a hidden depression uh, walking around today. Well, I think Robin Williams' case is so stark because he 
he made so many people laugh, and he was so brilliant and so funny and so yes. talented and appeared to yes. have it all. And the little I've read about him, and you're right, we never know what goes on behind the mask, right? right? We have no clue right. what people are thinking or what their lives are like. Um, but it sounds like he lived, um, he grew up very, very lonely, very isolated. Um, his parents really didn't take care of him. Uh, his nanny That's took right. care of him. Um, yes. Does depression sometimes start in childhood or with childhood issues that people never get over? Well, yes, I think I, I think it often does. It's not depression is, you know, it's a complicated disease. It's um, it's both an illness of the brain and sort of an adaptation to life. It's you know it does respond pretty well to psychotropic drugs. Um, uh, at least it responds well for some people, but not all people. Um, some people uh, do seem to develop in adulthood out of the blue, as it were, or maybe in response to some loss, um, a serious case of depression with no nothing in their past to indicate it. But actually, most of the people I talk to, and both as my patients and in groups and in, uh, online, do have report some difficulties in in childhood, um, a feeling of being different, or unloved, or even being abused. Um, sometimes, having known the parents as well, I I I I can see that it's a problem in communication more than anything else. It, it's it's as if the depressed child just doesn't get the parents' message of love, or the parents don't know how to convey it. But I guess the short answer to your question is that many, many people with depression do grow up with a feeling of coldness or estrangement or uh, uh, some kind of differentness in their childhood. A feeling of isolation or a feeling of not being loved, and I, I think most... Huh parents love their children. It's just a matter of how yeah. they love and whether they're loving the way right. the child needs to be to receive that That's message, right. like you said. Yes, yes. It's it's the it's the chemistry. It's the mixture. It's the communication. It also depends on what's going on in the parents' lives. You know, sometimes parents are too young or too sick or have too many other crises going on uh, to uh, deal effectively with the child's emotional needs at the time when he when he really he or she really needs it. Um, you know, I think I think uh, it's very hard to be a, a good parent, and we have to balance a whole lot of other things going on in our lives. So, you know, I I I I don't want to get into the parent bashing business. Uh, you know, uh, it's just it's sometimes it's a matter of luck and opportunity and timing. So we've got, you know, in terms of depression, there could be um, individuals who felt like they were different or not loved from childhood. It could be an event right. that triggers a depression. Um, yes. It could be a chemical imbalance. I mean, there's so yes. many different reasons that someone could get depressed. What do you think is, right. is more typical if there is any? Oh, I think more typical is... Um, 
Well, I, a, a technical story is um, someone will come into my office and 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 say, you know, this happened three or four months ago. Um, I lost my job, or I, I've been fighting with my wife, or um, uh, I've been drinking too much, or something, and. Usually I'm able to get back on my feet, but but not this time. And it's with a little prodding, it it it, it quickly comes out that this is a feeling that has always, often, all been there as far as back as the client can remember. It's just that they usually manage to stuff it away and and pretend that it doesn't there. It isn't there. So this feeling of being less than, of being unworthy, of of, of having uh, some terrible guilt or shame or self-doubt or these automatic negative thoughts uh, that people report, you know, you're no good, you're worthless, you'll never amount to anything. Um, these usually have been there in the background and it takes some crisis in adulthood to bring the patient in for help. Mm, interesting. And how did you become interested in this topic? Your story is sad, um, but you yeah. took a very sad situation and made it your life's focus and your life's purpose. Yeah, I um, I did. I tried not to at first, but it didn't work. Um, my mother was depressed and and uh, took her own life when she was fifteen. When I was fifteen, excuse me. And um, I, it didn't hit me at first. Um, I went on and I did very, very, very well in high school, and 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 then I started to do okay in college, and then. By the end of college, I was just going nowhere. I was floundering. I had not done well grade-wise. I didn't know what I was going to do with myself. And I finally got myself into treatment. And back at that time, people didn't re realize how hereditary depression is. So I didn't realize that I was actually technically depressed. But psychotherapy helped me, and I changed my career. I got into social work, helping professions. I found that this is really what I wanted to do with my life, was to help people who were struggling with depression, anxiety, other, other types of mental disorder, or just you know, reactions to the stress of everyday life. And so, that that was my career path. I, I went back to graduate school, and um, this time, knowing what I wanted to do, I did okay, and um, you know, went on and became a, a clinician, a director of a clinic up here in Connecticut, um, and published Undoing Depression a, a while ago. And since then, I've been in private practice and writing. But yeah, um, my mother's death was a was a gut wrencher. Um, it it it's hard for me to understand. You know, I mean, the the basic question is, uh, if she really loved me, how could you how could she do something like that? Mm-hmm. Let's see. Ultimately. 
supports yeah. uh, betrayal, right? It's the ultimate yeah. abandonment. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Um, uh, the best answer I can come up with is that she was out of her mind at the time of her actions. And that's what I find with other people who successfully commit suicide, is that at that moment, um, for those few days or that minute, they were they saw no other way out. They really believed that this was the only solution to their problems. Um, and that's one of the reasons why if you have someone who is contemplating suicide, the most essential thing is to delay the moment. Hold on to them somehow, you know, keep them safe, get them into a hospital, um, uh, start medication, start therapy, somehow start to change things so that things can start to look different and they can start to see other solutions. They can start to see that depression is an illness that has taken over their minds and, you know, not the truth, not the voice of God inside their heads, um, but a symptom. The suicidal thoughts are a symptom of a disease. Um, and I think once people grasp that, it really does put a different perspective on it. Yes, um, so so incredibly difficult to reason with someone who's in that much pain because That's they right. are they're not you know sane and saying that's you know a legal definition right but they're not they're not it's not easy to reason with someone who's in that much pain no because what they no, experience not. is their truth right that's why sometimes you have to hospitalize people against their will so um, is it is depression a disease or a disorder or a state of mind physical mental emotional spiritual all of the above all of the above um it's um it is a disease, you know, it it, um, uh, it has a clinical course that's predictable. Um, you know, if you develop major depression, uh, there are, and you, and you recover, there's a likelihood you'll have future episodes, um, yeah, but that you'll recover more quickly from them. Um, it responds decently to medication. We have some drugs on the market that really should be tried first thing if someone is really severely depressed. Um, and they're usually effective. They have some drawbacks, but they're usually effective and they're usually better than nothing. Um, and then people, I, I, you know, my, my thesis is that people have to be mobilized to help themselves. Um, you know, depression is part of, part of depression is a loss of hope, loss of energy, loss of sense of interest in the future. Um, but, you know, with some help from friends, from counselors, from spiritual leaders, from 
other advisors, people can uh, uh, begin to understand that this is, this is a disease that's gotten into their brains, and it's not it's not the only way of seeing their reality. And they, and they accept that, okay, I have this disease, and I have to learn to live with it. And that means taking responsibility for myself. And that means, you know, doing things like exercise, self-care, learning how to uh, express emotions, learning how to uh, negotiate relationships, um, learning how to um, uh, uh, avoid potential troublesome situations, um, you know, controlled drinking, uh, controlled substance abuse, those kinds of things. What part of, um, it was my understanding a long time ago, um, that when someone is, you know, we all get blue, right, or we all get down, or we've got our tough days or tough times, but after a certain period of time that someone might be depressed, um, the chemistry in their brain changes where it's not that easy to get over the depression. Is that actually... You know, I... I have to say, that's the current thinking, but it's not really been demonstrated. Um, in fact, nobody really knows how to, how these antidepressant drugs work. We have this uh, hypothesis that they work on serotonin level and the synapses between brain cells, um, but nobody's ever been able to show that... Um, Raising that serotonin level in itself uh, helps with depression. There's a lot we don't know about the mind. You know, if I were starting out again, I would go into neuroscience. I I think the next 20 years are going to be so exciting. We're going to learn so much now that we have these new instruments that let us see into the brain as it's working. Um, I think it's a very useful hypothesis that once you develop depression, you sort of stepped over an invisible cliff, as it were. And uh, you don't get better by doing what you used to do before. You have to you have to take yourself by the hand and take charge of recovery, and learn to do some things differently, including perhaps taking medication. And then you can you after some work you'll get back back to where you started. Um, but it does seem as if it's a useful idea that. You know, something goes wrong in the wiring in the brain when depression is severe enough, um, um, and we we can't recover just by doing what we normally do. Describe neuroscience. What's the difference between neuroscience and um, psychotherapy, or what you do? Oh dear. <laughs> I do talk therapy. I I I I talk to people. I I listen to people. People come in, tell me their problems in life. Um, you know, people with depression both have both symptoms and problems. They have symptoms like they can't sleep. They have, um, you know, excessive self-critical thinking. Uh, they worry too much. Um, they're irritable. 
uh, so part of psychotherapy is is uh, helping people learn to sort of control those some of those kinds of symptoms. But another part of it is um, helping with the problems that are going that are uh, that are sort of going along with the symptoms. Like usually, someone who's depressed is not f- functioning very well at work or in their marriage. Um, so we spend a lot of time working on those issues in the present time. Sometimes someone is overwhelmed with feelings from the past. They're 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 stuck in mourning or grief. Uh, they're stuck in anger at their parents. You know, um, adolescent rebellion can go on for a long time, and it can be very self-destructive. Um, so we have to spend time on uh, talking out those kinds of issues. Neuroscience is you know is. Uh, peeking right into the brain it's 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 um it's using some of the new technology the fmri machines uh other kinds of uh devices that let, let us see actually what the brain is doing as it's working so we we can see that habits um many habits at least are are uh, networks of cells in the brain that have become um, uh, sort of densely enriched. So if you're if you're a, a good juggler, for instance, you have uh, a, a little patch in your brain where the neurons are uh, so tightly interconnected they they really function uh, almost by themselves. So you can juggle without thinking about it. You know. You don't. It's like driving. It becomes an automatic skill. Um, there's been interesting research to show uh, that has shown that teaching college students juggling enriches a certain area of their brain, so that the scientists can count more neuronal connections there. But if you have them stop juggling for three months, those uh, enriched connections go away. So I, I think the analogy is that you know, in, 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 as we learn depression, we learn to be self-critical. We learn to assume that people don't like us. We learn to assume that we're hopeless or that that we're we're we're, uh, 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 we're, we're doomed to failure. That also has a, a representation in the neurological structure in the brain. That's sort of a habit of thinking or feeling that. Um, is most likely represented by a little nest of neurons um, that that's really tightly compacted and 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 enriched and 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 works very well to keep us shooting ourselves in the foot and feeling bad. Um, so we have to learn new habits to 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 replace those kinds of of habits, um, and that's where you know it takes some guided practice from the patient to, to, to really start to recover. And medications can help. Wow. Our guest today is Dr. Richard O'Connor, and we are discussing depression, prevention, treatment, what it looks like. When we get back, we're going to go for a break, and when we get back, we'll discuss tips on recognizing and dealing with depression. This is Teresa Kuhn with Living Wealthy Radio. We'll see you on the other side of the break. 
Living Wealthy Radio. Visit Teresa's team online at livingwealthyradio.com, 1-800-382-0830 now. Call 1-800-382-0830. Welcome back, Austin, to Living Wealthy Radio with Teresa Kuhn. If you are now joining us, we're speaking with author of Undoing Depression, Dr. Richard O'Connor, about how to identify and counteract depression both before it sets in or after. And, and Doctor, you said that you um, you wanted to write your book, Undoing Depression, because as a psychotherapist, you spent so much time dealing with patients who were depressed. You wanted an opportunity to share um, information on how to counteract depression before it actually sets in. Yes. When I was uh, when I was the director of an outpatient clinic here, I I was struck by um, you know we would get three or four new people in a week, and I was struck by how frequently it was that um, they were only coming in for help after their lives had become total disasters. Um, they had made many wrong decisions. They had lost their jobs. They they had broken their marriages. They had uh, abandoned their kids. Um, um, what I felt was if we could have reached them a year before when they became depressed, um, when and and somehow managed to help them keep from getting into so much trouble. Um, depression results in, in, in ruined lives, but it's because people make such bad decisions under its influence. Um, and that doesn't have to be the case. Um, uh, people with depression are anxious and desperate for solutions and they don't think very clearly and so they act on impulse often self-destructively and not not having really thought the situation through and um, a lot of damage is done so I, I, I wrote the book partly in hopes that I could uh, reach people before uh, they reached that point when when uh, they had really uh, ruined things for themselves, and so and we had to spend so much time in in, in therapy trying to put their lives back together. Would you? Say I wanted to. Uh huh. Go ahead. I just I just wanted to mention I, I I want I want your audience to know how common depression is. It is you know according to the CDC the public health authorities, um, 20% of the population walking around right now has, has some form of depression. The, you know, every fifth person you meet on, on the street, it's, it's, if you take the phone book and go through, take the section A through E, that's about 20% of, pe- uh, of, of the population. And it's an incredibly high number, and many people do not recognize that they have a problem. They just think that life stinks and there's nothing they can do about it, or they think that they're a failure and there's nothing they can do about that either. And, you know, life doesn't really stink, and very few people are are really uh, totally incompetent. Uh, But that's 
that becomes the belief that accompanies a depression that goes unrecognized. So would you say it's more prevalent than any other mental, emotional issue? 20% of the population is a huge number. It is a huge number. It's... um, Depression and anxiety go go together hand in hand very very often. So I I, I wouldn't want to say that it's uh, more prevalent than anxiety disorders, but the two of them together make up an incredible number of of, of people. The World Bank. Um, I was I was interested in, in finding this out. The World Bank and the World Health Organization did a survey about five years ago on the, the global impact of disease. Their their conclusion was that depression costs society more than any other single disease in terms of lost productivity, lost man hours, the cost of treatment. Um, um, it's just an extremely common and, and often deadly and usually very, very painful phenomenon that, that doesn't have to be as bad as it is. The situation doesn't have to be as dire as it is because help is available. So how can someone recognize whether they're depressed or not? For those that, that are walking around depressed and don't even know it. Okay. Well, I think I, I can list some key symptoms. Um, uh, some are uh, physical. Um, uh, trouble sleeping is a, is a, 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 a common uh, symptom. Uh, sometimes waking up early in the morning and not being able to get back to sleep or lying awake at night. Uh, change in appetite. Change in uh, sexual desire. Um, thoughts, um, self-blaming thoughts, uh, you know, this is all my fault, um, uh, hopelessness, uh, things are never going to get any better, um, guilt, uh, especially the kind of guilt that you ruminate on. In fact, I should say sort of any kind of ruminating thoughts uh, are, are a real hallmark of, of, of depression. When, you know, when your mind just can't get over uh, turning the same subject around and around and around inside, and, and, and it usually has to do with self-blame, anger, resentment, um guilt, that kind of thing. Um, Loss of interest uh, in ordinary activities and things that used to bring you joy uh, is another big uh, symptom. You know, if you used to enjoy getting together with a family or going out for dinner or playing pool or or baseball or whatever, and you find that those activities just have lost their zest, that's a sign of that could be a sign of, of trouble, and of course, you know any kind of suicidal thoughts, um, uh, any kinds of thoughts, a lot of ruminating about death, just feeling like the world would be a better place without you, nobody needs you, that kind of thing. 
those were all uh, very strong indicators of depression. So someone who recognizes they've got depression, what, yeah. what do you suggest they do? What's, what's the first thing? Well, I would suggest that they go to their family doctor, uh, but uh, go there and, and request a, uh, that the doctor help them find uh, a talk therapist. Uh, uh, doctors have been... Um, too many doctors, I can't say this for everyone, but too many doctors have been brainwashed by the pharmaceutical industry to say it is, so that sufficient treatment for depression is just to give them a pill, give the patient a pill, and monitor their progress. And the research really shows that that doesn't work out so well, uh, that people who um, visit their doctor that way feel that they're not listened to, uh, they don't take the medication, they, 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 they're just um, confirmed in their belief that there's nothing that can be done for them. So what you want to ask your doctor for is help in finding a psychologist, a clinical social worker, psychiatrist who does, who does therapy, uh, a pastoral counselor, a substance abuse counselor. Um, all of these people can be very well qualified to help with the talk therapy aspect of depression. And yes, maybe medication too, but in my opinion, that usually should be prescribed by a psychiatrist who um, um, is really better trained than your average GP is in, in, in knowing what type of medication to use for what kind of condition. So is medication, um, you recommend talk therapy as being a very essential component of the treatment yes. for depression. Um, what yeah. about natural therapies or natural um, herbs or supplements? Well, there are some things that have shown some promise, uh, like uh, SAMe. I forget what that stands for, but it's a popular supplement in, in health food stores. 5-HTP, um, many people swear by that. Uh, uh, other nutritional supplements, fish oil, these kinds of things. Um, there are countries in Europe where uh, these things have been recognized by their equivalent of the FDA as effective. Um, we don't have that kind of research going on in this country, so there's nothing to prove that these things are, are really effective. Um, I certainly don't think it hurts to give most most of these things are harmless and may do some good. Um, so it doesn't really hurt to give, give them a try, but don't try to use it as a substitute for medication or or therapy. If you take it for a few weeks and you're still feeling lousy, go see your doctor. Go, you know, call a, a therapeutic referral service. Um, Psychology Today has a great website that lists um, uh, therapists in by area and by specialty. Um, it's a good way to find someone uh, locally. 
So the talk therapy, is it so important because um, if there is a good therapeutic relationship established, the patient can feel um, worthy and accepted and, you know, heard? Um, is that part of the the magic or, or the, the therapeutic benefit of therapy? Yeah, that's part of the magic. <laughs> I'm laughing a little bit. Where they feel unloved or unheard in life, and right, they right. they have someone who gets them, who's not judging them, yeah. who hears them, right. who accepts them. You're exactly right. Um, I think that uh, very often what you get is a person who in your office who is really lonely, who has no one else to talk to, who has maybe talked these things over with their spouse or their friends or their loved ones and feels unheard, unlistened to, misunderstood. And what what they get with, uh, with a therapist, hopefully at least, is um, objectivity, careful listening, um, uh, the kinds of questions that, uh, that uh, open up subjects rather than close them down um, so that the patient really feels that he is being listened to. Um, and and that, that in itself provides tremendous relief for people. Um, and sometimes that, that is enough of, of a psychotherapeutic benefit to get people on their own feet again. Sometimes we need to suggest action plans, you know, um, but that comes later. That comes after there's a therapeutic relationship where the, th- where the client really feels held. So if we suspect a loved one or a friend um, mm-hmm. is depressed, what advice can you, can you give us? Well, to guide that that that's, friend or loved one. That's that's tough. I mean, if if you let's talk about two different scenarios here. One is you have a friend or loved one who um, you think is depressed, but is not getting any help for it. Um, uh, sometimes these people can be very um, difficult in normal social relationships because their thoughts are restricted to themselves. They don't um, have a sense of humor anymore. They don't respond well to social cues. Um, And you feel a a certain burden when they're around to to lift their spirits and, and make them feel better. I, I would say, you know, that's not your job. Um, uh, not not your job for a spouse or a friend or, or or anyone else in your life. By all means, you should do the commonsensical things you can do uh, to uh, change a mood, you know, get out of the house, go out, go out for a walk, go biking, you know, um, go see a funny movie. Uh, those things... Um, do no harm, and they and and can help sometimes. But if you suspect someone is really depressed, you need to tell them that you know 
for the past X number of months, you've not been yourself. I've seen this coming on and, and it worries me. And be as specific as you can about what kinds of changes you've seen um, uh, so that your friend or your loved one is not going to get defensive about it. We, it's too easy to, to feel defensive, to feel attacked when someone says, you know, maybe you've got a problem. But if you can, can provide concrete detail, you know, I, I, you've been, I see you snapping at your wife more than you've done in, in years. I see you not getting into work on time. I, 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 I see you uh, not, not able to concentrate and, and, and work efficiently. I, 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 and you look sad. You look, have no energy. And these things all worry me, and I hope that you're doing, doing something about it. You know, that's, that's one scenario. Um, if you have someone in your life who recognizes that they're depressed um, and is getting help for it, uh, of course, that doesn't mean that um, they're out of the woods and 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 going to be the life of, of the party again so if you're uh, you know if you're married to somebody who's depressed or if you have a child or uh, uh, a parent who's depressed um i i have i have some uh, particular advice you know I, I think it's a time to to really try to be as considerate and thoughtful and help and empathetic empathetic as you as you possibly can be you try to think of it as if your friend has a broken leg um you you you'd expect that their abilities and energy would be diminished and that they'd be in some pain and they can't heal themselves they can't heal themselves they can't heal their broken leg any faster just because you want them to it, it takes time and I, I think it's helpful to kind of think about depression in the same way um, I I think you know if you're particularly if you're in a, a, a close relationship with someone um, you know what the hot spots are. You know what the hot buttons are that that are going to provoke a fight or make the other piece, person feel worse or get mad at you or withdraw or whatever. Just try to avoid those things for the time being. Try, try, try not to get provoked. Try to tell yourself again: this this person right now is suffering from a disease, and they're not they're, they're not their usual self. And I don't have to respond the way I usually would. Uh, I can wait for them to get better. Uh, in fact, I should wait for them to get better. Give, I should cut them some slack. Um, what else? Be as kind and thoughtful as, as you can be, even even if the, the person doesn't show much gratitude. Uh, that's that's part of the effect of depression. Is that, you know they're they're unable to reciprocate, but they still do feel loved. They do still feel appreciated if you act thoughtfully or kindly. Um, so, so loving, being loving and love, regardless yep. of what you might get back from that person, right. sounds to be right. the, the message. 
You are yeah. dropping, uh, dropping your own defenses, so to speak. Um, I, I don't mean to talk over you, but but you know, just just you know, realizing when your own defenses kick into gear, when when you feel criticized or attacked, you don't have to respond automatically uh, uh, in that way. You you can say to yourself, this this person, this my loved one has is going through a rough time right now, and I need to be understanding. Mm-hmm. You um, are a prolific writer, and a lot of your books tend to have um, just, oh, and there's the music, we are running out of time, but uh, talk very quickly about your books and your latest book. Oh, I have a new book out called Rewire. It's about bad habits and self-destructive behavior and how to overcome them. There's a lot of new, interesting stuff coming up from other fields that's uh, going to be very helpful to people. people. All right, Doctor. We will uh, link your website on our livingwealthyradio.com um, listing for the show today. Thank you so much for coming uh, to our show and helping us understand the depression epidemic that seems to um, be in this country and how to handle it. Um, your books and your information is very, very worthwhile, and I do encourage our listeners to check you out. And so thank you again for coming today to Living Wealthy Radio. This is Teresa Kuhn, and we will see you soon. You've been listening to Living Wealthy Radio on Talk 1370 and streaming live at Talk1370.com. I'm Teresa Kuhn, and I hope you'll join me again next week as I show you ways to live wealthier. Resources are available for you on our website at livingwealthyradio.com. If you're a business owner who wants to sell your successful company, then you need to pay careful attention to what I'm about to tell you. Selling a business in today's crazy-making economy is not for the faint of heart. A successful sale requires courage, resolve, and a big pair of um, free selling tools. Get your free risk analysis tool and special report today from the only company that can help you sell your business in 49 days or less and pay zero taxes. Go to www.deltabusinessservices.com forward slash exit coach to download yours today. That's www.deltabusinessservices.com or call us at 210-369-4161. Tell them the guy with the... What if there was a place where your hard-earned cash could grow safely and sanely without being pilfered by bankers, Wall Street, tax collectors, or other persons of dubious character. A place where you could say no to the motion sickness-inducing ups and downs of the stock market. Where you didn't have to grovel on your hands and knees every time you wanted to borrow money from some tight-fisted banker who collects all your private data and then turns you down. Such a world sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? Well, it isn't. All you need to do is call toll-free right now and ask for your Living Wealthy Financial Information Packet. It costs nothing and it will tell you exactly what you need to do 
to chart a more prosperous financial course and take back what belongs to you. So, do it. Call right now. 1-800-382-0830 That's 1-800-382-0830 Or, visit our website at www.livingwealthyfinancial.com You'll be glad you did. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.